Thanks, podcast. Everyone keep trying to... You've got to listen to... Po- I, I like the podcast. I like a bit of music. A quick word on our sponsors. Scalarlight is a quantum healing company using Scalar Energy devices that work remotely, giving distant healing anywhere in the world. In conjunction with the Clockwork Junkie podcast, you can get a 30-day free trial. No credit cards, no debit cards. It is 100% free. To sign up, all you have to do is click the link in the description below, add your name, your email, and upload a selfie. Scalar Light, a new era of quantum healing. Hey, how are things? This is Mark here, and welcome back to the Clockwork Junkie podcast. As always, you're more than welcome, and thank you for tuning in. Today on the podcast, I have an unsolved murder. I don't like unsolved murders. I don't even like if I'm watching a TV show and it gets to the end of it and it's like, well, you can decide. I hate that shit. I like a beginning, a middle and an end. I might be a bit childish. Maybe I might, it might be better if I had more nuance to my visual entertainment. But I always like a beginning and a middle and an end. Even if I'm watching a show that's on Netflix or Prime or Disney, if I find out that the show has been cancelled after season three and everyone said, well, the show is really good, I won't watch it because I need an end, a resolution, a beginning, a middle and an end. So why, I hear you scream, am I doing an unsolved murder? I have done a couple of different podcasts lately. I've been told in a couple of emails that they're like true crime podcasts and that they're good. And thank you very much. I think I could do them an awful lot better. I think I could improve and I'm only shooting from the hip and trying it. I will say that I do know that true crime podcasts are very popular. I have never listened to one in my life. Maybe I should do. But then, of course, I'd probably try to copy them. So the reason that I wouldn't change the genre of the Clockwork Junkie podcast to a true crime podcast is because I won't be doing true true crime podcasts. I'll be having guests. I believe I have a guest on for the next podcast talking about... um debt and mental health and relationships and I'll have other guests on again and I like to talk about different things but I had it in my mind when I used to be on YouTube that if I came across a story or something I'd like to tell but I just never got around to doing it so that's why I'm kind of doing it now and I'm looking at stories about UFO abductions or lost civilizations or lost cities and just stuff that interests me and some of them are murders and so on so that's the reason that I won't be changing um, to a true crime podcast but thank you for the input and thank you as well for the messages that I'm getting saying that you're enjoying the podcast. It's fantastic. And if you ever think about sending me an email telling me you enjoy the podcast and you're wondering will I read it, yes, I will. It's a podcaster loves getting information off people or getting messages saying I enjoy the podcast, keep it up. It's a very lonely world podcasting, believe it or believe it not. I'm talking to a microphone here in a semi-dark room with audacity open in front of me and a roadcaster taking in my voice. And that's it. So it's like I'm talking to nobody. I I rarely have a conversation with someone about the podcast unless I get a message. It's my only interaction with people. So it's like I'm the only man in the world talking out to you. Um, So yeah, feel free to get in touch. All the t-shirts are nearly gone. I'd mentioned them before, but if you want a t-shirt, email it. Well, first of all, follow me on whatever platform you're listening to, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I'd prefer Spotify if I have a choice, but beggars can't be choosers. Um, I have a couple left just email clockworkjunkiepodcast at gmail.com tell me what country you're in and why you like listening to the podcast if I email you back it will mean you've won a t-shirt 
uh, it's free by the way and I'll just email or I'll not email I'll post it to your address and it, that is worldwide so yeah anything else yeah make sure you look at the scalar light I think my contract with them runs out on episode 227 so if you're going to get your 30 days free now is the time to do it is that that's, oh yeah and paypal you can make a donation a one-time donation thank you thank you thank you thank you to the people who are doing that you're absolutely legends it's paypal.me forward slash clockwork junkie and the link is in the description that being said why am i doing a story about an unsolved murder when i've already clearly stated that i don't like them because this one comes in three parts the murder happened in 1972 and then it was just an unsolved murder, or as they call it, a cold case. But then, in the 90s, and thereafter, it came to the attention of WeirdNJ.com, which is a website of New Jersey that investigates the weird or wonderful stories and situations. They start looking into it. This is kind of part two of the story. They start looking into it, and there was problems there, and there was hidden evidence, and so on and so forth. But they said, if anyone knows anything, come forward and let them know. And the third part then is people who have come forward and give some stories about their recollection of the time. So it is an unsolved murder. I can tell you that at the start, but it is interesting nonetheless. So let's just start basically. It's the Jeanette de Palma case. So I'll give you a small bit of information and then I'll go further. So this is part one, if you like. So it says here, usually people connect witches to Salem. But for this particular case... The witches were in Springfield, New Jersey. There's a Springfield everywhere in America. I think Washington is the number one. There's a Washington in nearly every state and Springfield is number two, I believe. So it all started in 1972 when a dog brought home a decomposed forearm. Fucking hell. That's like the start of a horror movie, isn't it? This prompted a police search and a body was soon found afterwards atop a cliff in Springfield. The body was identified to be that of Jeanette de Palmer. She was a 16-year-old who had gone missing six weeks earlier. Immediately, rumours began spreading as to the cause of her death. The hill, sheer, the hill where she was discovered was covered in occult symbols and many believed her body was placed on a makeshift altar. Many locals and even some police members blamed a coven of witches, otherwise known as Satanists, who used the Palma for a human sacrifice. Now I know in the 70s witches and witch hunts and all that were cults was kind of a big thing. It says because of a flood and I'll get to this flood later on in the podcast. Because of a flood much of the case's details have since been destroyed. However some reports from some local papers mentioned that police couldn't determine the cause of the death due to her badly decomposed body. They had also investigated a local homeless man who was the prime suspect, but only to find that there was absolutely no connection to the killing whatsoever. As for the occult theory, many believe that the Pama may have provoked a group of Satan worshipping teens at her high school when she was trying to evangelize them. She was involved in a group who helped drug addicts by finding faith in Jesus Christ. Of course she was. Because of this, she was a human sacrifice, he said. It goes on to say, the reverend who ran the group theorised that she was selected as a sacrifice to the group because of this. So was she a human sacrifice or did these suspicions help hide the real killer? And I said, perhaps no one will ever know. So that essentially 
is the end of part one of the story. In 1972, there was a girl, Jeanette Palma, who was killed. She was 16 years old. They couldn't find the killer. She was on an altar. It was like occult symbols. And they reckoned she could have been a sacrifice for Satanists. So if that was just a story, and that was an unsolved murder, well then I wouldn't have read it out here, and I wouldn't be wasting your time. The reason that I kind of listened to it a bit more, and the reason that I think that you might be interested in it, is this Weird NJ, which is Weird New Jersey. It's uh, WeirdNJ.com. And they have an update. So the update says, Who Killed Jeanette De Palma? Now they have a couple of news articles here and stuff like that, but I'll just read from it. It said, in late 1997, so how many years is that? That's over 30 years, 35 or 25 years after the case. In late 1997, Weird New Jersey received a letter from a man named Billy Martin. The short letter entitled, In the Watchdung Mountains. He said, there was an alleged ritual sacrifice, I think, in the quarry near Springfield. A local dog brought home the body, or brought home a body part to his master, which led to an investigation. He said, I don't know if this is true or not, or just a local myth. So this, this got the Weird NJ um, website kind of on the case, looking to see, could they find out what this story was. So in a pre-Google era, the editors of Weird NJ struggled to find additional collaborating information regarding this incident. Eventually, it was decided to print Martin's letter in the Weird NJ episode 9 that was released in October of that year. The letter's appearance ignited a small firestorm among readers who had grown up in Union County during the 70s. Replies began to flood in to the office, one of which finally put a name to the victim. The person said her name was Jeanette de Palma, and she was found on an altar. So it goes on from here, and it gets a bit messy, to be fair. Um, you'd always wonder what's the truth in these cases, but look, that's what you're here for, you can decide. As time went on, more facts became clearer. Jeanette had been hitching in Springfield Township one afternoon in August 1972. She vanished and was later found dead in the woods surrounding the quarry after a dog had brought her arm back home to his master. So when the editors of Weird NJ began their own investigation into Jeanette's unexplained death, they were immediately met with resistance from the local police, who claimed that all files and evidence related to the Palma case had been destroyed during flooding from Hurricane Floyd in 1999. They go on to say, today we finally know that to be untrue. So after a decade of working with Weird NJ correspondent Jess P. Pollock, who was the co-author with Mark Moran, the definitive book on the Depama case, it was out in 2015 and it was called Death on the Devil's Teeth, and Jeanette's nephew Ray, Weird NJ has finally obtained copies of Jeanette's case file from the Union County Prosecutor's Office. After years of denials from previous acting prosecutors, Pollock was able to consult with the former UCPO Director of Communications, Mark Spivy, in 2019. So this happened in 1972. We're now in 2019 and they're only getting information. So they managed to get in contact with Mark Spivy in 2019 to submit a detailed file request under the New Jersey Open Public Records Act and the Freedom of Information Act. After nearly two years of delays due to the COVID-19 and personal changes, the UCPO finally released the bulk of Jeanette De Palma's case file to Pollock in February 2021, including crime scene photos that had been previously described by some New Jersey police officials as missing. See, the plot tickles here. Why would the cops 
say that everything is missing and then why after injunction after injunction after injunction can define the files what were the hiding it really would make you think so while Jeanette's remains have been compassionately redacted from the photographs the picture to paint is very clear so after a careful review of these photographs Weird NJ feels confident that there was no occult activity involved in Jeanette's death. The allegations that crosses made from sticks and twigs and there was a halo of stones that were supposedly found placed around Jeanette's body are completely absent from the crime scene photographs. Also absent are any animal sacrifices that were long rumoured by whispering Union County residents to be near the remains. The closest object resembling a cross found near the remains were two rotten tree branches that had obviously fallen in that spot a long time before Jeanette had come to rest there. Also, there were no arrows carved in trees or an altar of any sort can be seen in any of the photographs. It goes on to say then, this of course makes what the press said about these photographs in 1972 all the more confusing. So the article that appeared in the September the 29th, 1972 edition of the Elizabeth Daily Journal entitled Girl Sacrificed in a Witch Rite, made the following claim. So this is what they said in 1972. It said, Investigations into the death of a 16-year-old Jeanette de Palma is focusing on elements of black witchcraft and Satan worship. A review of the death scene photos, according to reports, is leading authorities to believe that the girl's death may have been in the nature of a sacrifice. Said pieces of wood, at first thought to be at the scene by chance, are now seen as symbols one researcher said two pieces of wood were crossed on the ground over her head and more wood framed her body like a coffin. Another person who was there said, I guess if you were looking for signs, they were there. It goes on to say, this article was the first publication to link Jeanette de Palma's death with witchcraft and Satanism. But even at a casual glance at the crime scene diagram drawn by UCPO investigator Glenn Owens showed that these supposed signs of black magic and Satan worship are tenuous at best. The two pieces of wood that were crossed on the ground over her head were actually parallel to her body, with her right arm resting on the vertical parallel log and the other horizontal log lying just below her head, with both logs were actually much larger, much larger than Jeanette's entire body. The overgrowth itself is another revelation. For years, Weird NJ has been told time and time again by retired superintendent PD investigators that the spot where Jeanette's body was found was, and in inverted commas, a party spot, and that she likely overdosed while partying with several other teenagers, all of whom presumably fled out of fear of prosecution instead of rendering her medical aid. But the death scene photos tell an entirely different story. The spot where Jeanette's body was discovered is much more overgrown than ever previously described to us, with countless large plants and bushes surrounding the remains. There's no evidence whatsoever of a party or any other social gathering is noted in the accompanying evidence reports or seen in the multitude of photographs released in February 2021. Said so what is absent, however, though, is Jeanette's purse itself, along with any money or wallet. If Jeanette was murdered, it is now apparent that her killer took her purse and her cross necklace, possibly as souvenirs. The cross necklace was widely reported by her family to have been missing from her body and corroborated by the reports released in February 2021.
Obviously, the release is monumental for Jeanette's family, friends, and the readers who have been following the case for decades, but many questions have now been answered. But it is almost certain that there was no occult element to Jeanette's death. We now know that her purse was never recovered, but as with most revelations in this case, more questions have arisen, like, why were her cross necklace and purse stolen from her body? How did anyone inside the Springfield Police Department or the Union County Prosecutor's Office sincerely believe that it was an occult element to this case after looking at the crime scene photos? Why did so many police officials insist for almost half a century that Jeanette's case file and evidence had been destroyed in 1999 by flooding caused by Hurricane Floyd? Weird NJ made a commitment to continue looking into this tragedy back in 2004 and they said that they're not about to stop now. They said we will continue to do our best to bring answers and justice to Jeanette, her family and her memory. It says to all who have assisted us on this journey over the past quarter century, we sincerely thank you. So even if that was all the information I had, I still don't think I would have made this into a podcast. But the third part, and even though it is unsolved murder, because the that article I read out was on the Weird NJ website, loads of people read it, and then as the months and year that passed, people got in contact with them. So I have some of the people here who got in contact remembering stuff about the actual murder itself so let me just read you out part three here in issue 22 of weird nj magazine we examined an all but forgotten unsolved murder case from 1972 in which the body of a teenage girl was discovered atop a cliff high above on an abandoned quarry in the town of springfield said admittedly at the time we didn't know many details about the case other than the fact that the corpse was found thanks to a dog that had brought home a badly decomposed human forearm to his master. The arm and the corpse would later be identified as having belonged to Jeanette de Palma, a local teenage girl who had been missing for six weeks. The details that had first drawn us to the sad story of Jeanette was the lingering rumours about the town of Union County and the disappearance and subsequent murder had ritualistic overtones. The remote hilltop location where the body was discovered was said to have had cult-related symbols and the body of the young girl was rumoured to have been placed on a makeshift altar in the woods. The various versions of Jeanette de Palma's story that we had heard either blamed a coven of witches or a local group of Satanists for her death. The strange thing we discovered in our investigation of the case was that after 30 years most people who remembered the crime were still too frightened to speak with us about it said everyone we questioned about the murder seemed to recall the same uh, gruesome details but nobody wanted to go on record or to have their name published in our article and that included some of springfield's police department the general consensus of the people we questioned in regard to jeanette's murder seemed unanimous in agreement on certain points that it was in some way cult related that there was a police cover-up of the facts in the case and that Jeanette's killer were still most likely at large. But could the death of Jeanette de Palmer really be attributed to some evil force operating the quiet neighbourhoods of suburban Union County in the early 1970s? Or had time and the rumour mill merely distorted the facts of the case and sensationalised the crime? That is the question that we pondered, yet could not answer in our original article. After the publication of that article, we would receive several new leads in the case, some were vague or contradictory, some were cryptic, and others were downright creepy. Some of the tips were cautionary, 
while others seemed to have a sinister undertone. Most of the leads that came to us came to us in the mail in plain white envelopes without any return address. Some of the letters were typed, others were handwritten, all were anonymous. They came to us from all over the state judging by the postmarks. Some were from people who still lived in the area where the murder had occurred while others came from people who had moved away years ago but still remember the case with horror. So here is a couple of the people that writ in. These are people who were there or who knew a mother or knew someone. So I'll just read out a couple of these really quickly. This is in regards to the story of Jeanette Palmer. When her body was found, it was not on an altar. There were logs around her body. She needs to be put at rest finally. I am sure something out there or someone must be able to give you some more information about the case. This person goes on to say, maybe she did it herself. Because at the time, there was a lot of satanic stuff going on in the reservation. Said, sorry, I can't give you my name for more reasons than you know. Which is hardly going to go out and set up all these uh, ritualistic fucking occult symbols and then kill herself, is she? Although some people say that there was no occult stuff there. But then why did the cops hide everything? Why did they say that it was all um, lost in the flood? And then we find out years later that it wasn't. You know, people don't cover up stuff for no reason is the thing. You know, that's the thing that I always think about. So someone else goes on to say then, I was a young teenager when the discovery of Jeanette de Palma happened and lived in the next town. Said about two years prior, there was much talk in my school about a cult in the surrounding area. They were known as the witches. Said they must have let it be known in the area that they planned to kill a child in or around Halloween, either by kidnapping or sacrificing them or by poison. I remember being anxious about this because I went trick-or-treating at those times. I didn't read the newspaper, but I was well aware that the dog had brought home the girl's arm. So this story was well known as I lived within three miles of the quarry. And that was from Anonymous again. The next one then says, Apparently my mum knew Jeanette because Jeanette worked at a clothing store in Summit named Seafans. Said they were about the same age. Said my mother and some of her friends used to hang out at the camp in the quarry. Just that is until they found out about the murder. She was on to say my uncle, who was a Summit cop, came to warn my mother against going there any longer. From what I was told, these details were not released to the public at the time. When the dog brought the arm home and the search for the body started, they found arrows carved into the trees that would lead you to the body. The location was high on a cliff. All around her body were dead animals tied to trees with strings and some in jars. Shortly thereafter, there were reports of animals being mutilated and hung in the same fashion in that reservation, which is also very close to the scene of the crime. She says, the reservation, or the res, as it was known at the time, we believe was the centre of devil worship activity for years. Now, where she's getting that information, I do not know. This person says then, someone else says, I too forgot about the death of Jeanette de Palmer. But I cannot forget about all the weird stuff that happened in Summit Springfield. And for me, the majority of it was in the reservation. Said, now that I think back on it, it would make sense that Springfield would cover up the murder as to not tarnish the reputation of the town. But I don't know how necessarily true that is. They didn't cover up the murder. Everyone knows that the girl was murdered. They said that it was an occult, that it was satanic. Then they said that it wasn't. So I, I wouldn't say they're covering up the murder. This person goes on to say, I know that the sacrifice my friends saw was never reported or was never in the newspapers, but I remember, and I sure as hell know they do too. That was by Anonymous as well. The last one then says, I knew Jeanette de Palma very well, and my friend went out with her. We used to go to church with her. She was a very religious girl, but I think her parents forced her to go to church. 
she was kind of a little bit of a wild girl. We all went up to the house and helped look for her and spoke to her parents. She said, I don't think my friend, who was quite in love with her, ever recovered from it. She said, I was very surprised that they, and by they she means the police, don't have anything in the archives about her. It's funny, my wife read the story and she said, don't ever get involved, it's a satanic thing. It was all the talk of Union County for two weeks, then boom, it was gone. It left the papers very quickly. In the past 30 years, I think I've only ever thought about the girl twice, and I felt a little ashamed of myself. And then I read that weird NJ article and I said, holy cow, everyone's forgotten about Jeanette de Palmer, the poor girl. So I don't know what you think of that story. I mean, it's obviously sad that a 16-year-old girl has got murdered. I mean, who's murder? Stop murdering people. If you're listening to this and you're thinking about murdering someone, don't do it. Jesus Christ. So what I find strange about this is the following. Usually you would hear, well, for example, someone was murdered. And then they couldn't find out who murdered the person and it goes unsolved. Then as the years pass and as rumours fester and rumours spread, you might start hearing, oh, well, there was carvings on the trees or there was mutilated animals or there was a makeshift altar made or there was a cross above her head or it was a coven of witches or a satanic cult. And over the years, these are the things that might come in as rumours. But this case is very different. In 1972, when it happened, it was reported that that happened. It was reported it was satanic. It was reported it was done by people who considered themselves to be in a coven and that this girl who was killed was essentially a sacrifice. They ran with that first. That was right out the gate. That was the reason why. Then they went and changed it and said, well, we don't know why. Then years later, the weirdnj.com tried to get involved. Everything was lost in a flood. We couldn't find anything at all whatsoever. We just do not know where anything is. Then after injunction after injunction after injunction to find out that they have nearly all of the photographs and all of the information and they can look at it. But what makes that strange as well is when they look at the photographs, for example, one of the ideas that um, the police said at the time was that maybe it was a party spot where they were having social gatherings. But all around their body, all the grass and all the, the gorse and the vegetation, like it wasn't flattened down by a party. You know, have you ever been to a party in the woods? I've been to a couple in my time, not recently, but when I was young and enthusiastic about life. Afterwards, when you see it, everything is flattened down. This wasn't flattened down at all. So how they could think it was satanic and it was a party when you could clearly see that wasn't the case. So it was like the cops were trying to hide it. And I don't know why. Because of any of the photographs that you could see about it and I will post some photographs incidentally on Instagram if you want to go and have a check any of the photographs shows different information it actually shows that it, it doesn't look uh, satanic it doesn't look like a coven of witches it just looks like someone died essentially so why they're trying to hide the information I don't know but it's one of them things you know in a small town I guarantee somebody knows something if by chance you live in that town and are listening to this podcast. I'd love to have you on for a chat. Tell me some information that nobody knows. For everyone else, thank you for listening. If you want to contact me, feel free to do so. It's clockworkjunkiepodcast at gmail.com. Tell me where you're from. Tell me why you enjoy the podcast. And if you want a t-shirt, let me know. If I get back to you then, I'll ask, for your, I'll ask you for your address. And then I'll post it out to you. Don't forget to get the scalar light. It should be gone by episode 227. 
and if you can please donate to the paypal it's a one-time donation i can't even tell you how much it helps the podcast all those links are in the description as is my link tree where you can follow me on instagram and facebook and linkedin thank you for listening to the clockwork junkie podcast my name is mark mccormick talk soon